Kylie Dutson, a neurodiverse 30-something who is obsessed with organisational psychology and welcome to Lightbulb Moments, the podcast about all things psychology. Welcome to this episode. I am joined by Ali Dutson, who is my husband. Ali, tell us about yourself. Hi, I'm Ali Dutson. I'm Jenny's husband, domestic support, who irons all of her clothes when she's going out doing something important. And I'm just here to do as I'm told. In this episode. Well, we decided. <laughs> it wasn't we, was it? It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't we. It wasn't. It, wasn't it was we. you. I decided that the best thing that we should do is just leave everything behind and go traveling. Probably a good four years from when we met to when I realized that relationships can be just love and kindness and friendship. It's a series of aha moments. <laughs> Is it a series of light bulb moments? It's a series of light bulb moments <laughs> dinging off all over the place. questions based on the stuff that you say but what i do need from you though is just not word one word answers or two word answers do i ever do one word answers <laughs> <laughs> look you can't start by laughing hi ali welcome to lightbulb moments thank you for having me uh, that was a weird voice <laughs> I, it's just my normal voice <laughs> this is just my normal voice it's my um it's my radio voice your radio voice. That's right, yeah. It's clearly why I don't hear it very often. Um, I, for the sake of those people listening, uh, you are my... Significant other. Ooh, that's very formal. Is that formal? Yeah, why are you going significant other? Why are you not saying husband? Hubby. Hubby, spouse. Yeah, <laughs> partner in crime. <laughs> oh, I think that's definitely... I feel like the next uh, 25 minutes or so, we'll definitely just talk about being partners in crime. Um. I wanted you to come on the podcast because, well, obviously, firstly, you're a huge part of my life and have been for, actually, you've been part of my life for longer than you've not been part of my life. That's that's quite an impressive statistic, isn't it? I like that. I think it's a it's pretty cool. It, but also kind of worrying. <laughs> <laughs> it's had so much influence, but I guess that's why um, we're here today. And so I always start with um, origin stories. Okay. So for if you're not familiar, I, I, I'm not going to say if you're not familiar with an origin story because I know that you know what an origin story is. So let's hear from the horse's mouth. That's you. Um, what do you What do you think our origin story is? How rude calling me a horse after all this time. <laughs> origin story. It's a uh, friend of a friend of a friend meets with other girlfriends, friends, friends, and um, craziness ensues, really. What's the real origin years. story? Come on, give it to us. It's the real origin yeah. story. How did we meet? We met in a pub on New Year's Eve 20 years ago, or thereabouts, and um, I thought you were a real swell gal, <laughs> and I thought that you might want to... Um, be friends and go on a date. <laughs> oh, don't make me giggle. My plosives will become even harder than usual. <laughs> Ooh, fancy. Uh, it's it's kind of that's kind of how it was. Um, I think I had been um, lined up with somebody else on that evening, but when somebody takes your eye, then there's no there's no stopping. 
Um, love at first sight. I feel like you're from a 1950s. <laughs> you're speaking like you're from a 1950s movie right now. Thank you. When, I, love, at first. when love at first sight hits, <laughs> just blows you, blows you away. So my version of that story. Yeah. Yes, I concur. We met in a pub on New Year's Eve. Uh, I feel like this might be our 22nd New Year's Eve together when we get to it this year. Uh, quite a quite a long uh, span of New Year's Eves. Um, I was 17. And so I lied about my age uh, because it was a functional lie. I was in a bar. I was I had to be 18. So I lied about my age. Um, I also agree that there was three guys, three girls, and uh, you were set up with someone else and that that didn't work out. Um, but I also am pretty sure that you lied about your age as well. Also for, also for functional purposes, <laughs> because you were 18 and I was... How old were you? 27. How old did you say you were? 23. Mm-hmm. Functional. Otherwise, <laughs> you know, maybe the age difference would have been too much. And uh, like you say, the rest, is, the rest is history. That's right. I would usually ask guests what they want to talk about. Um, okay. But I feel as is true to our relationship, um, I'm going to tell you what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> and I'm happy to oblige because I'm a pleaser like that. <laughs> uh, but so I guess the first thing I would like to talk about is, and just have a chat because we have got this such a long, rich history. And when you look at us in terms of our relationship versus people that we know, our relationship is very intense in terms of the amount of time that we spend together. Yeah, I would agree. There's, we, we do spend an awful lot of time together. And there's been occasions where we've not been apart for months at a time, really. And it's, it can be a, it's a bit freaky for other people, I think. I think so too. And I think that if we just... So if we, if we go back and we start to think about when we got married... Uh, we we decided to go to tra- traveling for a year, and in that year period of time, I always say there were three occasions when we weren't within physical touching distance. Yeah, and we were together for ten months. That's right, in like camper vans and tents and very close proximity, and to not be a- away from each other for that long. I think we learned a lot about each other in that in that year, probably more than any other time because it was so intense, and we had to figure out how to argue and get over it in the space of minutes. <laughs> I would agree. I would agree. Because I think that um, if we if we look at the way that I thought that relationships should be, for me, when I look at relationships, I guess I think I had a very unhealthy relationship. Um, and I thought that when you are with someone, you're either like madly in love with them and besotted or they just don't exist in your world and you can shut them down and you can shut them off. And there was no real in the middle. And I think that when we when we first got together, that was, when I look back at it, it wasn't something that I was aware of, but I'd love to hear from your perspective because I do think it was probably for a good probably a good four years from when we met to when I realised that relationships can be just love and kindness and friendship. I think it was probably about four years. So what did what did that time period look like for you when I was so polar 
in terms of the relationship? Well, yeah, you were polar and I was still very down the middle, right? I'm, I've got quite a calming influence, I think. Um, so for me, it was probably baffling half the time and then great the other half of the time. You know, it's, you know, where was the middle ground at that time? And it was always trying to pull you back into this reality that not everything had to be in that kind of unhealthy state. So it was, it was, um, it was almost like training you for years <laughs> to to realize that this that wasn't how it had to be. It sounds like really hard work, though. Yeah, it, it can be quite draining and tiring when you when you're having to work hard to kind of hold things together, if you will, at that at that point. Whereas you might have been oblivious to it. That this was just how things were for you. And for me, it was just it was a bit of a weird time because I wouldn't understand why you might have been the way you were. Yeah. And now when we fast forward, we we do understand. We'll get into that as we um, talk more. Uh, I want to jump to, because we didn't get, it was about five years before we got married. Yep. Um, We got married uh, and then we had the year after we got married. Tell me what that was like for you. It was a pretty horrible time, really, and and for no particular reason that I can really put my finger on apart from there's a lot of build up to getting married and having a wedding. There's a lot of planning, a lot of getting things right for that. And then once the wedding was done, it was it was almost like there was nothing there was a void yeah. in in our lives of where to go next. Uh, and again with quite an age difference and you were still quite young at that age at about twenty two. And really it was it was it was a strange period of time when um, we're trying to figure out what to do next. Yeah. And I would say we got to, I guess we must have got to about the nine month mark where for me at least it felt like we either need to do something or we're going to get divorced. Like it was that serious mm. that we were like, this is either, it, it's it, we can't go on like this. And so it's make or break. We have to either put something in place or we just need to make the decision that this was the the wrong decision for the both of us. Um, what did we decide to do? Well, we decided. <laughs> it wasn't we, was it? It <laughs> wasn't, wasn't we. It wasn't. It, wasn't it was we. you. I decided that the best thing that we should do is um, just leave everything behind and go traveling for twelve months. So I would finish my job, and because I was contracting at the time. I'd been working for 10, 12 years. It felt like a good time to have a break. Um, you hadn't started the next phase of your life in terms of teacher training at that point. So it seemed like a good break time to go off and do something kind of crazy, which was, hey, why don't we go camping in Africa for six weeks or three weeks? It was, uh, yeah. And I think what what we realised at that point was you are so much more comfortable with risk than I am. And so I remember getting close to that time. And and bearing in mind, we had a house, we had a mortgage, we had cats. We were full on ready to settle down, do all those things. And all of a sudden it was like, hmm, actually, no, let's just not do that thing. And let's do what 
what 20 year olds do that are single let's whack on a backpack let's pack up our entire house let's farm our cats off to your mum at the time and let's just go and live like nomads and for me I I loved the idea of it but if I'm honest I was terrified of disappointing people I was terrified that I'd be able to do three weeks four weeks and then we would have to come back home and it would be Jenny's a failure. That was my biggest concern. I remember you saying that, maybe not at the time, um, but later on saying this was what was, was worrying you. And the other thing that surprised me was that now I look at things, when we plan stuff, it's really you that plans things. But in that time, it was me that planned it, almost like you weren't, you were trying not to be so involved in, in the planning of that. So it didn't come back on you as a as a failure as we look back on things now. Yeah, because I could like wash my hands of it. Not, it's not my fault. It wasn't me. I didn't do any of these things. Yeah. Absolutely. I think it was a, it was a really interesting time. Um, and like you say, I, I grew so much as a person. I always remember there was this occasion where we were, I think we were in a camper van and we were in South, in South Africa and we basically lived day by day and planned to get to a certain location within two weeks or, or whatever that looked like. And I remember having a physical map. Oh, yes, it was mm. back in the days yeah. when we had maps, people. <laughs> and an iPhone 3 is an emergency. <laughs> an iPhone 3 is an emergency. And I remember sitting with the map and just freaking out and worrying. And you just turned to me and you just said, what if? What if we don't get there? And I feel like that's something that happens very common in our relationship. But what's your take on that? Yeah, we, we use the one, well, what, what if we miss the junction on the motorway that we should be taking? Well, it doesn't matter. We'll just go to the next one and turn around and come back. It doesn't matter. There's a lot of adaptability that I think we went through in this trip that uh, that we didn't have before, that you didn't have before in terms of being very rigid, wanting to plan everything. Uh, and this really meant that we had to go day by day and figure stuff out on the fly. I think it was quite a, quite a challenge for you. Yeah, I think so. And then the more we did it, the more I got comfortable. But when we, so if we just, if we fast forward a little bit to um, more recently, uh, we obviously decided, I decided you were fully supportive um, that I would uh, go through the process of getting an um, a autism diagnosis. And so we embarked on that kind of journey together and we talked through the process and all of the things that happen with that. Um, when we look back at travelling now, or when we look back at the last 20 years, tell me, reflect for me, what does that look like for you? It's a series of aha moments. <laughs> Is it a series of light bulb moments? It's a series of light bulb moments <laughs> dinging off all over the place. When I think back and 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 I, I look back at the situation, then I go, huh, that's, that kind of makes sense now why Jenny's had this diagnosis, because um, not being able to go somewhere or getting, uh, when the road was closed, driving home one time and there was a diversion and you ended up just stopping and calling me because... Sobbing. Sobbing because you couldn't figure it out. I'm like, oh, okay, now it, now it all makes sense. It all falls into place. At the time, it just seemed you know, a little bit unreasonable and, and a bit crazy. Like, why can't you just follow the diversion signs like everybody else? But no, 
Now, now I look back and I'm like, okay, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> it's fine. I'm just neurodiverse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But when we were traveling, the the unwillingness or the inability to adapt quickly, there was something that you had to put to one side. And I think it probably that that was quite a hurdle when we when we did that. And then over the years, various things that we get to. That was a great example of one in the car, but not being able to park in certain places or go certain places without figuring it out entirely what the route looks like and such things like that. Yeah, it all all falls into place. I think that part of the reason I wanted to have you on the podcast as well was because you have been that constant in my life and we we geek out we are so alike in so many ways right when you even think to the way that we set up our house one of us will have a crazy idea and then the other person will just bounce off that idea and then all of a sudden we decide that we're going to have a tiki room as a living room and we're going to rip up our carpets and we're going to get someone to come in and spray paint something that looks like a caribbean beach and all of these crazy things that but we're so in tune at the same time, relationships are hard and you have to work at them. It's true. You didn't let me have a Millennium Falcon in the <laughs> in the spray paint. But um, yeah, it, it takes a lot of work. If people heard our conversations, they would wonder what on earth we're talking about half the time. It's It can get a bit, get a bit highbrow. But like you said, we, we tend to bounce off that. We tend to build on in kind of a yes and that's a great idea. And what else can we do? Well, how can we make that better um, all the way but it's it's taken more time to adapt to to this kind of situations we've seen recently. So with the neuro neurodiversity, it's it takes work to make things go smoothly from both sides. I think. Yeah. And how do you how has so I would say that since the official diagnosis, our relationship has gotten better because I feel like I notice a, a change in the way that you respond to things, but then also the way that I will respond to things. Is that something that you've consciously done since the, the diagnosis? Yes, and it's easier for me to discuss that with our daughter as well, because now we understand why when we've had a day out and we come back and mummy disappears upstairs, straight into bed and it goes to sleep. Now we know why. And, it's, and we, we just say, okay, we'll just give her the space and, and just go and do something else and be, you know, be mindful of that. So it's about being mindful of of the situation that you've been in and, and then what you're facing. So um, we can adapt quite nicely to that. Yeah. I think of um, cheese on toast gate. Cheese on toast, yeah. <laughs> and I feel like uh, two, three years ago, you wouldn't have reacted in the way that you reacted for cheese on toast cake. And I can't remember what I did. I think before I would have um, put a crash helmet on and tried to... <laughs> oh, I just snotted. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I would have I backed out slowly out of the room like Homer Simpson <laughs> disappearing into a bush kind of thing, um, awaiting smashing plates. But it was, it was a case of, well... No, it's okay. We'll figure it out. Yeah. So cheese on toast gate. I'd gone out with um, 
a group that I affectionately called the city mums and socially exhausted, came back home, needed some food, made wanted to make myself cheese and tomato on toast and it didn't go right. It didn't go the way that your granddad used to make it. Yes. Perfectly. Yes. In your in your head, that was the perfect recipe. Yes. And so you came in to me having turned the, the oven off, being sat on the floor, sobbing. <laughs> you came into the <laughs> kitchen and I was just sobbing on the floor. And you were like, are you okay? <laughs> and I remember standing up and just full on sobbing like, no the cheese on toast is not right and I remember putting my head on your shoulder and you just said thank you for coming to me mm. and that was it yeah that doesn't feel like the it feels intentional every sinew of my being would want to try and make you the right cheese on toast historically mm -hmm. fix the problem right that's that's what that's what I do is like I want to fix the problem um, but it just kind of felt like this wasn't a problem that needed fixing. I didn't think it was a problem I could fix, to be honest, because I can't make the cheese on toast like Grandad used to make the cheese on toast. So it's fair. Um, just giving you a hug and and. But that was the thing you didn't. You didn't give me a hug. You just allowed me to lean in. Yeah. And I think that that was the that was a bit of a for me a light bulb moment where I was like, oh, this is different. And it works for me and it isn't typical, but it's what worked for us. Yeah, because I like to solve the problems, is the mindset has shifted a little bit more recently to, do you want me to solve a problem or do you just want me to listen? And we ask that question, don't we, often in yeah. our house? Yeah. Um, because so we spend so much time, we spend so much time together, but even um, for people that like work together, we always ask this question at home, am I listening or am I solutioning? Because sometimes you just want to vent at someone and there's nothing worse than the other person saying, well, have you thought about this? And have you done this? Um, so we put that in place, I would say, not very early on, but definitely in the last five years so that the other person doesn't get frustrated with the response. Yes, and that works pretty well because like I just said, I want to solution everything. I want to fix everything. Um, but again, I will sometimes give you answers that maybe you don't believe or maybe you're just coming from my place of self-assurance. And I think because we understand psychologically how we are made up with strengths and, and those kind of things, we can easily jump to that as well. Is that your self-assurance talking? Yeah. Or do you know that? Yeah. Just as we wrap up, um, what is your one top tip for a successful relationship? It's kind of a cliche. Is it marry me? Marry me. <laughs> marry me because I'm I'm the, the boy all the girls want to love. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it depends because everybody's different, right? We have a good blend of, of the highs and lows in the middle. Um, but really, it's, we've we've learned about the communication and it's a bit of a cliche. People all say, all, always say communication. But what I mean by that is is being kind of grown up enough to have the conversation and listen and understand what the other person wants or not even, or just sometimes just to listen, like you said, to vent, get something out. And then, and then that's kind of done. So it's, it's really about 
that level of communication, but open communication, knowing just how to talk to each other on a personal level, one on that individual basis. I think that's that's really the key that I would think, understanding the other person. Um, so it feels uh, remiss not to have a conversation about our uh, small person, um, Harriet, who has such a... It's funny, isn't it? She has this huge impact on our life, but at the same time hasn't had as much an impact on our lives as as some children do on couples. Um, I was really scared to have a child, um, not because of the obviously because of the child piece, but I was so afraid that we would lose us when we brought in another person, another human being that I think that that was probably my biggest fear. Um, obviously now she's a phenomenal human being. Um, but talk to me about what you think about that. What immediately jumped to my mind was how you were scared of pregnant people. I can't remember what the... I had really bad tocophobia. Tocophobia. I did. Before Harriet even came along. So that was was a bit of a surprise. Um, and maybe you've gone back to that now. I don't, I don't know, but... Um, yeah, Harriet, she's always been almost the perfect halves of us. She is, isn't she? Smushed together. It's just so true. Um, she's got my um, wit and comedy timing <laughs> and good looks. And she's got some uh, smarts from you as well, I think. So competitive spirit. She does. That she has got. Um, she did not like losing at mini golf to me. By one shot, and she's nine, and I'm, I've am i played golf at a good standard. So <laughs> she's very competitive. Um, but no, she came along, and we tried our best at the beginning not to let it impact our lives, if you remember that back when she was very young. We did. We made the decision that she would do all the things that we did, and now she's, I, I think... So I think that we were very lucky that all the things that interested us interested us both. Yeah. So it wasn't just that one of us was like, oh, let's go bowling, and the other one didn't want to. Or one of us was like, let's go play mini golf, and the other one didn't want to. We literally had the same interests over and over again. And so we made that decision. She's just going to she's gonna have to get on board, or she's going to be bored. <laughs> Well, yeah, and, and we dragged her off to Brussels when she was four weeks old. We did. For a conference. Either we all went or nobody went to the conference. Um, at, when she was four months old, she was on six flights to America. So we've we've never shied away from that. But, but again, she always came to restaurants with us. It never impacted what we wanted to do. Uh, and now when we're at a restaurant, if you've got your phone out, she's judging you. Oh, she does. She, um... Yeah. It was, and then I always think, what have ha what have we done to our child? Because obviously, I live in this world that is all psychology, and she now lives in this world that is all psychology. And I remember her coming home from nursery when she was like four years old, and saying, "Oh, mummy, there was this little boy who was misbehaving. The teacher should have used a conditional if statement." <laughs> <laughs> And me knowing exactly what that meant. And I think that she's just, 
yeah, I look at her and I'm like, dude, you're really smart, like smarter than me smart. And it's a little bit scary, but we, we created that because I couldn't have created it alone and you couldn't have created it alone. Like we've created this just phenomenal human being. Yeah, an environment where she can thrive and she's, she's good in her school subjects, but she's also very sporty. And she does come out with some, some smart things that kids of her age just don't come out with. Um, Ali, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It felt like so, it just felt so right for you to be part of this journey because you've been part of the journey since I was 17. So good job, bestie. Thanks. I think one episode is probably not enough to cover everything that we've got to talk about, but um, it's a good start. (laughs) So I hope you enjoyed that episode with Ali. Ali, thank you so much for joining us. My, do you know what my light bulb moment is? It's, you've just got to laugh. I think that we've spent so much time laughing together and that's what makes a good relationship. For now... Toodles!